0: Today's episode of Vice Versa, we're talking about Ricky's visit to Lucid Motors' factory and driving the Lucid Air Dream Edition, Ford announcing several new EV factories, the first Rivian R1T test drive reviews hitting the internet, and more. And as usual, I am joined by the guy who hopefully has woken up from his lucid dream, Ricky Roy. How you doing, Ricky?
1: Doing good, doing good. Got back today, spent the last couple days in Arizona at the Lucid event. It was pretty awesome. That's going to be our first story. So uh, we had a video on it that we shared. The link is in the description. What about you, Matt? What was your video this week?
0: Uh, this video, I did a video that you did two weeks ago. Yes, <laughs> the SkyCool, uh, <laughs> like heating system, the radiant cooling system, and using space to kind of help cool things down. It's such a cool piece of tech. I just, it's one of those. I know both of us when we heard about it, we're just like, we got to cover this.
1: Yeah, that was a fun one. I definitely enjoyed it.
0: Let's jump into the first story, which is all about what you did at Lucid.
1: All right, so the, the first story is about the Lucid event. They, they wanted to have a little event to kind of commission their factory and to to give people first rides in the car. So this is, well, let me just start by playing this. This is my fri- uh, My friend Kyle Cotter, who runs a channel called Out of Spec Motoring, who is really, really, really good at reviewing car stuff. And so um, what he was... what he was doing was was really remarkable. He put this car through its paces in like a really interesting way. He was looking for things like how the car handles like open throttle to regen and the level of regen and how fast the car was. He even did a little slalom test. He slammed on the brakes and, and it was really cool. The guys in the car really let us do Kind of what we wanted i guess they had kind of an agreement with the police to not bother us too much we were out on open roads but um just a really cool look for the company because i think what some people had mentioned in the past was no one's driven this car no one's done this and that so they rectified that in a major way they they let us go out and just floor it and 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 stomp on it not everybody i mean most of the people that were there were investors or early reservation holders But for us uh, and especially kyle and tom malagny who was also there he has a channel called state of charge on youtube and he the two of them really they're car like journalists like in a way that i'm i'm not you know we we kind of tell stories and and cover some of the technological aspects of the cars but they did an incredible job and this thing is is such a such a cool car and it's such a cool point in time because they have been working on this for a very long time they unveiled the car in 2016 they thought they were closed then it they had to build a factory so they did that this factory that we sh- we saw is brand new it was built from the ground up they call it the first greenfield ev factory in north america the gigafactory will be the next one there's you know ford's building one that's a future story but they were the first because tesla technically bought their numi plant from an old plant that used to be something else so the factory is really cool. It's new, it's modern, it's advanced. Um, and I think they're close to being able to get production going. They they had quite a line of cars that were coming out. But I think as far as every step being on time, on schedule, perfectly automated and dialed in, there might still be some kinks to work out on that front. But yeah, they have they did a couple of cool things that was smart. The first thing is their eventual plan is to have like five or six million square foot of factory space. But phase one is about a million, right under a million square feet. Now, I didn't really know this, but i if you watch my video, you'll see I talked to Kyle Conner about this, but apparently the paint shop in a car plant is kind of the big bottleneck in these things. They, I mean, there's huge vats where you have to dip these things and clean them, and all the painting machines are, are massive, and it, the rooms have to be very well ventilated. There can't be dust in the air. You can't have any you know, imperfections on the finish. So it's a really major part of the factory. So what they did is they built a massive paint shop, the paint shop that they want to have eventually. But right now, they're not at full rate production. So what they're do, what they doing is the first floor of that shop, they're actually using for general assembly. That's smart because otherwise, they'd have to build a small paint shop and then build a bigger one later and move things around. Instead, they made the heart of their factory, the paint shop, and they're going to use some of that space for general assembly and other practical purposes until a time when they're at full phase three, where they're building 400,000 cars a year. Right now with phase one, they're planning to build about 30,000 cars a year. When they build out phase two, which will kind of you know double or triple that square footage, they'll be near 90,000 cars a year and then and onward from there. So I think they've, they, they're scrappy, they're a startup. They know their money is limited. They don't have all the funding in the world. So I, I like that they took an, a smart approach to how to get to full rate production. And I'm super excited. I think people are gonna love this car. It's wickedly fast. It's really cool. The fit and finish and like the touches are really, they're just a nice car. I've always liked this car, especially the front. I. Uh, are you a fan of Goliath, by the way, on Amazon?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I know the show. Yes.
1: Yeah. Did you watch season four, the latest season? No. No. I, so I remember thinking it was a really high aerial shot. Like, That's a lucid air in, in Goliath. And it was. They're, the lucid air is featured in the season four, the, the final season of Goliath that's how striking the car is it's 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 one of those cars you can just recognize from far away and as a designer i'm at you can probably appreciate this i think that's one of the most telling signs of a good design is one for a good reason not for a bad reason but when something is so striking and clear the the side is also beautiful the back i think is good i don't love the back as much um but really cool stuff and i want to get your take i'll just finish with this one last thought the only thing i heard that i didn't love at the event was how they're cooling their battery pack so they're using 2170 cells just like tesla does in the models threes and y so they're cylindrical and that's it's a good package for for cooling because what you can do is you can run a ribbon through it so um the teslas have a cooling ribbon that cools the battery kind of right in the center uh where the heat is built up lucid is cooling it from like the bottom plate So they'd run coolant and they cool the battery, which means you're going to have a gradient of heat where the top of the battery, the furthest point from the cooling pack, will be the hottest part of the the battery. So that's the one thing I think I'd like to know more about, see how how they're handling it, what that means long term. But uh, that was the one thing I would have liked to have gotten more information on. And I'm not sure if their strategy is the best out there.
0: That was going to be one of my questions that they explain why it was designed that way. It sounds like they didn't.
1: No, I think it was um no, they didn't really they didn't really explain exactly why. They did talk about how well they're able to manage this and I'm sure they are, but it's mm-hmm. still physics after all. Heat transfer is is a function of of distance from the from the cooling source. So there's going to be hotter parts in the battery. But that might be one of those things we have to figure out when they do more range testing. Tom Logny who was there literally has a channel where he charges and discharges EVs, tests like chargers and cables even. He'll put cables in like the freezing cold of of uh, you know of New England and and see how they perform and stuff. So when guys like him get this car and they start doing this stuff, we'll know. Because if the BMS is detecting hotter parts of the battery, they'll start throttling down performance even and charging levels and stuff, and we'll we'll know more about it uh, in time.
0: Did they get into any kind of um, of the manufacturing, like how many cars they're going to be able to put out with the amount of the factory they're using right now versus how what their target is when the factory is full.
1: Yeah, so phase one, where they're at now, uh, about a million square feet, just under a million square feet. They're planning to make about thirty or thirty-five thousand cars a year, okay. Uh, and they're planning to make five hundred cars for customers this year before the year's over, uh, and then they'll they'll scale that up to to full thirty thousand ish. And then okay. phase two, they have already started building. Like there's there's you know there's uh, trucks and and diggers out there preparing the ground for phase two. And phase two would double or triple or quadruple that and that takes them to about 90,000 cars a year. And there that's what they'll be in the next year or two from there and then full rate production would be about 400,000 cars which would be like 5 or 5 years from now.
0: Yeah. The the outside of the car from the design perspective, I'm not this is personal taste, I'm not in love with the exterior look, but the inside of the car just looks gorgeous to me. Like all the interior shots that you had in your video, the that painted that single pane of glass that just goes all the way from the front over the top and you've got your like visors that are like floating in air <laughs> it's like the whole design of it the interior and the fit and finish of the dash and the way the screens look seamless across the front it's gorgeous it, it does it feel like solidly built when you're when you're in there
1: it really does the the rear leg so the the super hero trick of the car is the rear leg room the rear leg room is absolutely monstrous the person in front of me from lucid was about six foot three and he had the he had a seat back at a very comfortable position he could have had it forward maybe three four five inches more even then i had more leg room than like you'd have to be like a mercedes s-class to have that kind of leg room um it was just cavernous in there and that really gets to the heart of the tiny the, the motors how small they are you know that's kind of their call to fame is they've got some of the most energy and power dense batteries uh motors out there and so all that just means there's more room for the people on the inside of the car. And the, and the material quality selection and stuff is all really cool. It, it, it does have a little more like a, that Santa Monica, which is a lot of, a lot of gray tones, I, I mm-hmm. really love. I think that's such a good look. The seats are all comfortable. It, yeah, it, I think it looks how, or it feels like it looks, if that helps answer your question. Yeah.
0: What, what about the software? Cause we're gonna be talking about this in a story a little bit later about well, Rivian. I'm just curious about what the software was like if you got a chance to play around with the mapping or anything like that. Did you get a chance to do that?
1: So the the uh, the software is super ambitious. I'll say that to start. There's a lot of different screens and touch points and stuff. So you have your, your top controls and your media controls are kind of up higher. Then you have a big portrait touch screen kind of where your arms are at, which is where most of the car controls are. I'd say they were kind of, uh let's say inspired by tesla they had a similar layout like there's like the drive modes and stuff they have creep like which if you have an automatic transmission car is what you're used to right you mm-hmm. can put it on creep and when you get off the brake it just edges along at like one mile an hour then there's like stop which will bring you to a complete stop and hold all all the kind of stuff that I, i'd want to see and the layout was really was really nice as well it's all really customizable again you can choose like moods and based on the mood the lighting uh, inside the cabin and the screens and the the font faces all change it's really customizable that way. Um, as far as, it's, it felt pretty responsive. I'd say it was more responsive than some of the legacy OEM software products that I've used. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not quite to the level where Tesla is, but I, I think there's going to be tons and tons of over-the-air updates that happen between now and the next like six months where they'll dial that stuff in. But I think everything that they need to have is is there for a good, good experience.
0: Yeah, from the outside looking in, I mean, you were there. It feels like, you mentioned this already, It feels like they kind of answered the question of is this vaporware or is it a real thing is lucid a real company are they able gonna are they gonna be able to deliver on their promises and i'm assuming your takeaway is a big resounding yes to that
1: yeah yeah i think so there's there's (laughs) probably still some challenges ahead but they are they're a seriously awesome company i think they've got really cool technology which is the interesting part they're not just taking off the shelf stuff and sticking it into some new package they've kind of reimagined a lot of the car and those EPA range figures, some of that kind of stuff, that's probably the big news of it all is how efficient it is. The the Lucid Air, there's different variations, but it gets around 4.6 or 4.7 miles per kilowatt hour. For a car that size is really impressive. That's actually even better than the Model, uh, the model 3. So impressive stuff all around. Um, there's going to be a lot more on-field tests. There's going to be people who have these cars for a day or two to put it through its paces. You know, I didn't drive it from san diego to the bay area but i want to i'd want to see (laughs) how just how close to 500 i could get but um everything that we've seen it looked super awesome
0: yeah i hope you can get your hands on it for a couple days because it'd be great to have kind of like live with it a little bit and see what it's like
1: yeah exactly um maybe in the future i can i can have a chance but it is such a cool car what i was saying from the very beginning was when tesla did this that was like an outlier Mm -hmm. one new ev company succeeded but when rivian does this when lucid does this now it's like a pattern and that's yeah. really the exciting part to me is tesla is amazing right so that they they succeeded and that's great but is it a blueprint or is it a one-off is it an exception to the rule and i think uh rivian and lucid will be the, the one of the two two of the companies that really kind of follow suit and and show us other visions of of electrification and it's pretty exciting
0: yeah there was a lot of really big news this week which of course we're going to get was. to like we're going to get to rivian but Next up, if you're ready to jump to the next story, Ford announcing not just one, but basically three new big factories. Um, they're calling the main one Blue Oval City, which is, no offense, not a very imaginative name, if you ask. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, six square miles in Tennessee that they're going to be building out. And here's some uh, renderings of what it's going to look like. And the plan for this is... Uh, it's going to be the truck factory. It's where they're going to build the Ford F150s. It's going to be dedicated to that. It's a massive facility they'll be building out. And in addition to this, they're partnering with um, was it SK Innovation, which is the Korean battery manufacturer to help manufacture the batteries here. And with SK, they're also building two other basically like gigafactories, two battery factories beyond just this that they're going to be building, I believe in where was it Kentucky. That's where they're building it. Um, and the plans are that these, these plants will be carbon neutral, uh, they'll have on-site wastewater treatment plants, they'll make zero fresh water use through using, reusing water and recycling the systems, uh, zero waste to landfill, so they're going to be processing all the captured scrap and reusing it and recycling it, because they're also partnered with Redwood Materials, uh, which we've talked about before. So it's like they're they're looking at this from the ground up as a sustainable, massive manufacturing facility. For the F-150, as well as the Gigafactories to produce their own batteries, and together between the two companies, they're going to be spending uh, about eleven billion dollars from both companies to build these plants out. And all told, it's about eleven thousand employees. And they're targeting. This is the one part where I was a little disappointed in. It's not going to be opened until twenty twenty five. That's the target for the start date. But when you kind of look at what Ford's ambitions are for selling of the Ford F-150, you're talking about. Uh, was it? they're trying to sell 15,000 vehicles in 2022 and then by 2024 they're hoping to do 80,000 F-150s and then it like doubles. Like they're expecting to go to 160,000 by 2025, the year that this factory will be opening up. So you can see that it's probably the reason they're kind of constrained with those numbers is because they're constrained for production. They, can't, they just probably can't make them. And so until they get these factories built, they're not going to be really able to ramp up Fast on F one hundred and fifty production, so that's to me the is the only downside to this news. To me, it's like I've, I keep saying this every week when we talk about this kind of stuff. It's like I'm always looking for those those signs of life. What are the things that they're actually doing? Because a lot of these companies have promised to do EVs and they've promised all these things, but what are they doing? Where's the rubber meet the road? And it's like, okay, this to me was a huge news from Ford, putting their money where their mouth is, gigantic gigafactories, just like what GM is doing. A dedicated factory to trucks it's like this is this is great it's great to see them doing this i just wish they had done it a few years ago or they were doing it a little faster than they're currently doing it but they're at least doing it what's your take
1: it kind of makes me wonder about companies and their strategy between uh retrofitting old factories versus building new right we kind of talked about that where i mean tesla all the tesla has done they i mean until recently they, they have more factories now but most of the history of tesla was from one little factory in fremont california and that was one that they bought and retrofitted, right? Um, there's probably some pros and cons. Somebody in the comment section will probably chime in because retrofitting an old factory is not easy either. There's a ton of overhead and stuff too. Um, but I wonder, as far as timetables, if Ford, if Ford's goal was to sell as many cars, electric cars, as possible, as soon as possible, would their strategy be different? And that's what I don't know. I think what they're doing is good. They have this grand plan. It's like many years into the making. They've bought themselves some time to make sure battery supplies are good and they're not going to hurt sales of their gas cars. That's to me, that's what that sounds like. Like we're not going to take a line of the gas F one fifty and convert it over. We're not doing anything like that. Mm -hmm. We're gonna sell every F one fifty gas F one fifty we can. And this is a new thing, and we'll scale it up over time and it'll be, you know, it'll it'll be what it'll be. So that's the one thing. Maybe it's a little more pessimistic, but but long-term is probably the best thing. I mean, I, I understand you want to have a new factory. You want to have the latest technology and all that. So hopefully the numbers are, uh, they're sandbagging. They're actually better than this. Cause I mean, 15,000, 30,000 cars a year. These, these numbers are like, the numbers are like lucid is aiming for a company that is building their first factory. who's never done this before. So
0: especially when you consider how many F one fifties they sell every year, just, the, just <laughs> every their F one fifty. Yeah, exactly.
1: Like Every minute, how many they sell it's, it's absurd this is a drop so. in the bucket. Yeah. But I, I do wish, I do hope that they do well. I mean, look at the, look at the, the renders, there's solar panels everywhere. It mm-hmm. has that full modern futuristic vision, which maybe that's part of, part of the thing, rather than trying to take some old factory. I'm sure there's better installations there's, they're, they're better in terms of like cost reductions with energy efficiency materials and equipment and everything else. So cool news. I'm, I'm looking forward to turning that factory. It looks, it's going to be massive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Me too. And we could transition to the next story, which is more truck news, (laughs) but from a very interesting company.
1: We mentioned, you know, Tesla did it. Was it a one-off or is it a pattern? Well, the next two companies that, to me, I really want to see succeed are Rivian and Lucid. So this is about the Rivian R1T and their first drives. They had this really cool media day. I wish I was invited. I wasn't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But... um, uh, Get, leave it to I and mean, Even their marketing and their how they do stuff with outreach to media and stuff—it was so incredible. They did a trip in in Colorado, and they they started. I think it was around eight eight or nine thousand feet, and they climbed up to twelve thousand feet. the The climb and the trip. I guess I can just play one of these videos. Let's see if the uh, the climb was so intense that um, it's maybe let's watch Zach's video. The climb was so intense that they actually. Some of the some of the journalists got um, altitude sickness. I yeah. think Nikki from um, Transport Evolved had to head back down, and so did uh, Ben Sullins. He got a little bit of altitude sickness and had to head back down. But the the runaway feedback from everybody was that this is like the best truck they've ever driven. Uh, Tom Lognie, who I mentioned was at the Lucid event, he was here as well, and his feedback was on the road, off the road, like this is the best truck he's ever ever driven. It was incredible what it was able to do, and just with just with um, let's see, there's some footage here. With having independent motors for each wheel, uh, having instant torque, and all the other factors, just how well this truck was built. You don't have to have a drive axle running to the middle of the truck. All the benefits of electric vehicles, the low CG, everything else, just makes this thing. Look at this. This is it's um, insane. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm going to go off on a limb and say, Matt, you're not a big off-road trucker. Uh, neither am I. But from what I gather, this is just really impressive stuff. The average car you'd have to, the average gas car you'd have to buy. And then look at the bottom of that. Look at the bottom of that car. Look how clean it is. Other than the suspension arms popping out, everything is tucked underneath with a with a shield, uh, which is great because you don't want to have any you know dangling bits. If you look at the average car, quite a bit of the Um, of the transfer case and other other componentry lies below the what you think is the bottom of the car and all that is you know going to get hit with rocks and things as you go climbing but this thing impressed and i think they're going to sell everyone they make and this really is if tesla was kind of the performance brand where they started you know now the running joke is teslas are always just smoking gas cars even sports cars off the line with all their performance well rivian is the off-roading rugged, tough kind of kind of model. And again, it's a good, as Elon would say, hardcore smackdown to, to gas cars because it, it's just completely impressed people. Uh, and Jer, uh, Zach actually of Jerry Everything had a flat tire at one yeah. point.
0: They had to change the tire. That was not staged. It was, <laughs> no, it was really cool to see what it's like to change a tire on the Rivian because uh, they, they have a full spare in the back. And every video I watched, I watched uh, Jerry Rigg, I watched about Ben Sullins, I watched uh, Snazzy Labs with Quinn. Um, And then I've read of all these articles and reviews from like Electric and Inside EVs and all these other places that talked about their experiences with it. It was universal across the board of this is one of the best EVs. They've experienced, and one of my favorite parts from Quinn's video on Snazzy Labs was he's he talked about how he's driven the the Porsche uh, Taycan, he's driven uh, you know the Model Three and the Model Y, and he's driven all these the Mustang, he's driven all these different EVs, and he was like, this is the best EV he's driven, not just the best truck, and he was just talking about how wow w- the way you can dial in the ride height and the performance, he was like it was shocking how like. You could dial it in so that you could barely feel the dirt road under you or you could make it more performance so suddenly you could start to get feel more connected to the road to to the dirt road and then when they were in the highways it was the same thing you could raise it and make it a little softer so it felt like you were just like floating over the the colorado roads or you could get really low seven and a half inches off the ground and in performance mode and this is an eight thousand pound vehicle that goes zero to sixty in three seconds it's as it's, as fa- it's It's basically faster than my model three and it's 8,000 pounds. It's like, that just boggles my mind. And like everything about this, including like the interior, when they were showing off the interior and in all their different videos, and they were talking about the cabin and how the cabin's placed and you don't have a gigantic center console. So you have an area where you can put like big bags in the front and that, that tunnel. I didn't know this, the tunnel that goes through the, the Rivian. There's a way that you can get into the tunnel from inside the cab. I don't know if you've seen that. There's this like little sliding oh, wow. door you lift up. It's between the two seats. It's between two seats and you lift it up and you can have like a little access panel into the the that that area. So it's like you could put bags and storage stuff in there and still like if you had drink bottles or something you had to get out, you could still get to them. Which there's so much storage in this vehicle and it's just beautiful. It's 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 Spartan like Tesla, but because it's got a little more detailing uh in all of the like the the dashboard and the seats, it has a little more visual interest. So it's like I think this is going to appeal much more to a regular truck owner versus like there's a lot of people I know that are turned off by Tesla because it's too Spartan. So this is finding that to me that sweet spot between what Tesla is doing and what traditional trucks do. I just I I was just gobsmacked at how amazing this car looked from all the videos. And it was everything was universal across the board. And I've talked about this before. It's like, I've been on the fence about, do I want to get a Cybertruck? Do I want to get uh, a Rivian? Do I want to get a Ford F-150? And after seeing this video, it's it's making it, it's kind of made the decision for me. I just don't know when I'll do it. <laughs> but this is, if I'm going to get a truck, this is most likely going to be the truck I'm going to want to get. And one of the other parts that was brought up that I didn't know about is they had promised charging speeds, I think it was 160 uh, kilowatts. Right. And they can actually, this. they're already like 225 during their, their road trip experience, people were seeing about 225. And Rivian said that with a software update, it'll get up to 250. So they've already blown past what they were originally promising for the charging speeds. So I think this I Rivian has just nailed it. And I think they're taking some of the playbook from Tesla, where they're not doing big marketing pushes with TV commercials. They're getting, you know, social media influencers, they're getting the right press involved, and they're they're kind of getting everybody involved and being very honest about the product that they're presenting because they were also like, going, tying back to the Lucid when I asked you about the software, every person that went on this event kind of complained about the software. They were saying it was not performing well, it was really sluggish, moving the map around was not responsive, it was kind of janky, uh, needs a lot of work, and evidently the engineers that were there on the uh, at the event were saying the same thing. So you had engineers from the company saying, we're not happy with the performance, We have a lot to do there but basically they're focused on getting the truck done and into customers hands they can do software updates to make it better so it's like i just love the honesty of the the company and how they're presenting it i think they're just nailing it i'm very excited about rivian
1: in case you couldn't yeah well yeah well said (laughs) um yeah the thing with software i think by the way lucid is probably in the same boat really there's a ton of optimizations to be had And it's nothing to be ashamed of. If you think about like uh, when Apple has a new software version, like a major release from iOS 13 to 14, that sort of thing, uh, it's always kind of bogged down. It doesn't work well. And this is Apple. You know, this is all they do. It's their bread and butter. It really is a a tricky thing. And it's one of those things where the first thing you do is just kind of get it working. And then you go back and you optimize. You make every little step 20% faster here or there. Some new algorithm that can do something qu- more quickly or is more ener- more memory efficient or something. So, these things will happen. These guys are gonna f- are, are gonna figure this out because on top of everything else, they've had to build a truck. Don't forget, it wasn't yep. like they were just you know making an iPhone. So, super cool company. I love Rivian for this reason. I've always, I, but for me, it's not the truck. I'm not really a truck person. I think I need a truck like twice a year, and mm-hmm. that's what friends are for. I just bother them when I need it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how much they appreciate that, but. For me, it's the R1S. I want that SUV. When I went to the Lucid event, I had a full host. So we took my Honda Pilot because it has eight eight seats, enough room for all of us. And until a car comes along that can replace me and and the, the Model X will not do it. I've already tried. The Model X really isn't even close to having the same interior capacity as my current car. But the R1S probably could do it.
0: That's the one I'm interested in is the R1S. Like I'm not a truck guy but like the performance of that vehicle and the space it provides so that when you do need that space, you have it. But the, the R1S to me, looks like it's gonna tick the box. And so the question is, do I do it? When do I do it?
1: <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> uh, they didn't really mention this, but I'm kind of curious when delivery and production will begin for the S. I think they're gonna do, start with the T. So the S might be, yeah, I've heard like six months or something down the road. Yeah. And even then reservation holders first and how much capacity mm-hmm. they have. If you were to buy one today, I don't even know when you'd get one at this point yeah yeah. but i think um and as a designer you can probably appreciate this i think rivian will be the case study in the future of how to build a company what they Mm -hmm. have done like you said there is a genuineness everyone loves rivian lucid is is a little more 50 50. there's a lot of people who love lucid for sure too and for good reason but there's also people who don't like lucid and there's people who hate lucid rivian for me has always it's always struck me as this is a company that everyone loves for, for some reason, even like hardcore off-road truckers and you know people who think electric vehicles are dumb. I think as soon as they drive this thing, they're going to appreciate it. But they have built themselves a brand that is kind of synonymous with all the right things. And I think in like 10 or 15 years, there'll be like a case study in business yes. courses on, you know, at university um, on how to build a company. And yeah, credit RJ and, and their team. They've done just an amazing job uh, of building a company which is beloved. All the adventure network stuff, all the off-roading Yeah. Off- I wouldn't do any of that, but I would love that somebody would think that. Like, I'd be in an R one S, and they'd be like, "Oh, here's a guy who's rugged. He's gonna go camping this weekend." I was like, "No, probably not." But I appreciate that you thought that because that's the imagery of, of 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 Rivian is just amazing. It really is. The
0: one downside I I see to them is how are they gonna handle their delivery and service because they don't have any public service stations or anything like that, like Tesla does. And uh, evidently, all the deliveries will be delivered to your house. And then if you need service, it's going to be like Tesla mobile service, a mobile service technician will come to you, but this is where it goes, I'm like, how is this going to scale? If they have to do serious work on your vehicle, they come and they tow it to the nearest service center that they're built, that they're already building out. It's not like they have, they still have to build them. They're already working on building out different service centers around the country because they're partnering with Amazon to make the Amazon trucks. So they're already building out service depots that can handle the service of those Amazon trucks and it evidently is going to be the same service centers that would then service the Rivian trucks but that seems like a non scalable solution to like anytime you need a serious thing done they have to come to your house tow your Rivian to the to a service center that seems like it's not going to scale it seems like at some point they're going to have to open up more um, consumer like i could drive myself there kind of service centers
1: there's a the the japanese were masters and when when they made their cars in the 70s for the us market they were smaller and more fuel efficient But the other innovation was they were really easy to maintain this is at a time when like doing an oil change on an average car was like a multiple hour job and the japanese were like what if we just put it in a way they just reach your arm and take the filter off and you just fill it in and you're done in an hour Mm -hmm. so um there needs to be that i recently i don't know if you've done any work on your model three i did my first little bit of maintenance i changed the cabin air filter on my model (laughs) three way too many steps to do this Mm -hmm. this is a cabin air filter this is something you're going to replace every year or two and it took like between i mean it was my first time and i'm sure it'll get better but i had to take apart like half the the the, the passenger footwell to get there and i was on disconnecting cables and it's kind of and i'm I, you know i'm i'm a pretty savvy person with this kind of stuff and it was it was quite a bit of step so i think repairability and maintainability have to be built into design and we already have a model of how we take care of cars it's called mechanic shops and we have them we cannot be thinking that rivian is going to get their trucks uh, repaired at Rivian This is madness. EVs will not truly saturate the market until, and this goes for Tesla too Tesla, Lucid, Rivian. I don't care who you are. You have to have manuals that a shop can buy, a little training, and be certified to repair your cars. If you can't do that, it's absolute bonkers. I've always said I love my car, uh, but if I had to wait, th- I've heard of people waiting 30, 40 days. I think everyday astronaut was saying that he had no, he has Tesla was out of his hands for about 30 or 40 days for repair if that was a normal car that might have been a week five to six days and so um we need to think about that as well and building your own network that's crazy talk i i can't imagine even making that possibly happen if you lived in wyoming and you have a rivian you're gonna tow your car a thousand miles to get it repaired or something like that just i'm hoping that companies can standardize and provide repair manuals right to repair i'm a huge proponent of that Uh, that's important and it's part of the next wave of things we need to get right if EVs are going to really take over.
0: Yeah, well said. I, I had my Model 3 in for service and they had it for three weeks and it was a relatively simple repair. But they had week, Was that one the week. black screen? No, it was, um, I just had, there was something wrong with the inverter in the back of the car and it was throwing up warnings that would say, your car. if you turn your car off, it may not restart. And it was kind oh, really? of alarming and so I took it in and they had it for three weeks. The first week was just waiting for a part and the remaining two weeks, was because there was basically one technician that was qualified to make the repair, and so I had to wait two weeks for the the guy that could do that repair. It's like that's not a that's not a sustainable way to do business either. So it's no. there's there's definite issues that have to be overcome. We're going back. We're kind of flip flopping between startup, big auto startup, and we're back to big auto with GM's brake drop. And I, I put this one on our list because I thought this was interesting because once again, signs of life for these big companies doing the transition a year ago. They unveiled their new BrightDrop um, kind of, it's its own business unit that's all focused on commercial vehicles. And they announced the, uh, what was it, the EV600, which is a 600 cubic foot delivery vehicle. And in giving an update as to the status of this vehicle, they announced that they also now have an EV410, which is 410 cubic feet. And they've signed on their first customer for those, and it's going to be a uh, Verizon. So FedEx has already signed on for the larger version, and they're they're going to be getting 500 of those before the end of this year. And then now we have uh, Verizon getting a whole bunch of these smaller vehicles. And the thing that kind of surprised me was from concept to commercialization of this truck, the one that we're looking at right now, was 20 months. And that is the fastest from concept to commercialization that GM has ever done in its 100 plus year history and one of the things that makes that impressive is that it's all based on the Ultium platform that they've built. It allows them to come up with concepts for new vehicles plug and play like Legos, coming up with systems that they can very quickly iterate and bring to market. And they also kind of uh, set up a new system for virtual development processes that they uh, that they created when they were making the Hummer EV. So it's they're finding very clever, interesting ways to kind of streamline how they're designing these these new vehicles across their entire fleet, commercial and not commercial, and pulling it all together to actually achieve something that's pretty pretty amazing. The fact that they did this in under two years, I, I got to like slow clap GM. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Nice work. Um, this is this is another reason, reason I keep coming back to GM is that they're 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 doing good work here. Uh, what's your take?
1: they're doing really good work and they're iterating on new models, which is a, a sign of a good platform. We always talk about this, Matt and I do, but if you, you, anybody could build one car and you might just make it all one-off and custom. But if you're smart, you build a car and a platform with as much modularity and, and, and shared componentry as possible. This is what we're talking about when we say that for them to be able to build this new variant, which is, I think you said the EV 600 is 600. was a cubic feet of yeah, cargo area. Cubic feet, so yeah. now it's, cubic feet so this is um now this is 410 so it's a a smaller car maybe it's more suited for various applications but the last mile they, is kind of
0: what they were targeting that last mile delivery last like,
1: mile yep and yeah and there's clearly demand and interest you've heard from amazon now it's verizon and all these companies are dying to be able to get electric fleets it just comes down to the 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 times timelines and the scale but yeah gm doesn't get much credit. There's still I, I think the the Hummer will help this. But I, I kind of feel like even the Hummer's going to have uh some of the the wind taking out of the sale because of Rivian. Uh there's also the Cybertruck and other stuff. Mm-hmm. Hummer uh General Motors hasn't really had much uh fanfare, but this is really cool stuff. And I like that they're targeting like smart startups and investing in all the right places and stuff. I think in the background they're doing all the right stuff. I think they need a home run at this point. They need something to build a kind of kind of point to and say like a electric Corvette, right? Something crazy that people look yes. at and go, "Look at this thing!" Right? Yeah. Uh, that's always been my idea from the very beginning. Forget the Hummer EV, which is really tough to execute because it's such a big and it needs so many batteries. Make the C9 Corvette electric. Well,
0: so it's like Ford Make coming out with the Mustang Mach-E and the Ford F-150. Those are two huge pillars. They're, huge. they're making a statement yeah. with those two vehicles. GM still needs that statement. I don't think it's going to be the Hummer, personally. I don't think that's going to be the statement. Too expensive. Piece. Yeah. Yeah. And too big. It's like, it's just kind of a big, bulky, expensive vehicle. I think they need something like, you keep saying the Corvette, I'm behind you on that. It's like, if they did a Corvette, I think that would be a statement piece.
1: It's such an American icon. It really <laughs> is. All the, all the astronauts all drove Corvettes. And I think they can make kind of a, a fun playoff of that right now with the space race. But yeah, no, good for GM. I think they got to just keep doing what they're doing. But try to have a public perception win at some point mm-hmm. where it's not just all stuff in the background that we talk about on the show but it's stuff that people can see on the road and, and get excited about
0: is there any parting words as we kind of wrap this up
1: no thank you guys for joining as always we look forward to it we'll see you guys next week and
0: as always you can also listen to the audio version on viceversa.show and we're live every thursday at 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern
1: and thanks for watching and we'll see you in the next one